It's your loved one. It's the love of your life. The person who completes you, blah, blah, blah. All that kind of stuff. So, you know what? Encourage us. Be thinking about these things. Go outside of your normal routine and show that person you love them. So, I want to see emails. Mark at element3.org. So, be doing that this week. Uh, So, here's the top three uh, from last week. Third place, and I'm going to try to keep these anonymous uh, if possible. Uh, During the last few days, I've been working on a gift for my husband for our upcoming 10-year anniversary. The sermon last week inspired me, and I didn't even add that. They actually said that, uh, me to take some time and look through pictures and remember all the special times that we have shared As I looked through my album, I came across the attached, and she sent me a short little video, uh, and got that really deep love feeling in my heart. Sounds like a country song, huh? I got that real deep love feeling. Sorry, sorry, I digress. Uh, I know your wife might disagree, but I've got the best husband in the whole wide world. So, and then there was an attachment, but... Uh, it was really small, so it, like if we showed it up there, it'd be so. But it was cute, and uh, it was awesome. Second place, I woke up with the baby before my husband um, so he could sleep. I made him his favorite breakfast and made him a card and wrote, 10 things I love about you instead of 10 things I hate about you, like the movie which was a movie, Uh, and gave him a coupon for a free back rub, which he loves. Who doesn't love back rubs, right? Thanks for the challenge, challenging us in this area. I'm really enjoying the series, and I'm so grateful or glad that someone is finally doing it. And then this week's winner, and it's a really long email, and it's kind of complex, so you got to kind of follow along, and you may think, wait a second, she spent money or he spent money, but the thing at one was in the context of the bigger thing. Uh, my husband and I both have very stressful jobs, and we like to take extended weekends to St. George Island when we feel like we need to get away from everything and just be a couple. This is our sacred time of reflection and romance. Last weekend was one of those much-anticipated trips to the beach. I'd been unusually beat up at work, and the perfect beach house was running a special that that could not be beat. The day we booked the house, my mother called me in tears because her husband had quit his job yet again, and they were in debt up to their eyeballs. She was about to have a nervous breakdown. After this conversation, I talked to my husband, and he told me that he wanted me to take my mother along with us on our uh, weekend of de-stressing. Wow, I was blown away. She wrote like all caps and stuff like that. So, uh, My mother and I had just started talking again this past December after two years of no communication. I asked my mother to keep away because she had lived in a hostile environment filled with alcohol-induced rages, and it was starting to affect me. My husband knew that my mother and I needed this time away from all the stresses to reconnect. Now Rob has told me 
Now, Rob has told me for years that he struggles with letting people into our bubble of happiness for fear that they will hurt us. This is where his struggle lies. My husband loves me, and it is evident by his invitation to have my mother come along. I'd say so. That is what my husband did for me to make me feel loved because I knew it was truly a sacrifice for him to give up our only time alone and to invite our mother. And uh, she attached a picture um, of a sunset uh, at St. George Island, and she, and she wrote, attaches a picture from our sunset with the mother-in-law. So I could just see, like, them sitting there holding hands and, like, mom's right there. It's, but I just thought that that was really, really cool. And then I, I had to give the last, she put a tag, like, she wrote her name, and then she, in parentheses she wrote this. And I, I want to read it because it's kind of funny. This is Christina Slappy who wrote this, and she said, after that, she says, I loved him enough to take that last name. So <laughs> I thought that was cute. So uh, way to go, Robin and Christina. And uh, you can come up, if you're at this gathering, come up and get your gift certificate after this. Let's applaud them. Well, like I was saying, uh, this week uh, we get to get a real intimate look into... Uh, into this relationship. And I, I think it's really awesome that God included this in the Bible. Uh, it is erotic at times, but it's never pornographic. And, but I think it does teach us about something of the beauty and the gift of, of having sex in, in the way that God planned it between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. And, and it is truly one of the most special things that can be experienced. It's one of those things when it's done in God's plan, it's never, this is like the one thing that's never shared with anybody else. We do so many other things with, with other people, but this is meant to be the one thing that a couple gets to share. And when it's shared in that context, it transcends just the physical act and it becomes an emotional and spiritual act. It actually can, it can be an act of glory, bringing glory to God, an act of worship. If you can even comprehend that, 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 that God has planned it for something to be that beautiful and, and, and that fulfilling. So we start out in our, in our journey, and uh, we hear the voice of the young women of Jerusalem, and, and they are telling us about the scene of the wedding processional coming in. They say, who is this sweeping in from the wilderness like a cloud of smoke? Who is it? Fragrant with myrrh and frankincense and every kind of spice. Look, it's Solomon's carriage surrounded by 60 heroic men, the best of Israel's soldiers. They are all skilled swordsmen, experienced warriors. Each wears a sword on his thigh ready to defend the king against attack in the night. King Solomon's carriage is built out of wood imported from Lebanon. Its posts are silver, its canopy gold, its cushions are purple. It was decorated with love by the young women of Jerusalem. And here, right at the beginning, everybody's noticing once again that Solomon is speaking his beloved love language. 
And we've talked about this each week, and we're going to go a little bit deeper into it this week. Now, if you remember that she was an outcast, that she felt unprotected, unloved, unappreciated, and Solomon came in and saw that she had a deep need for protection and security, and he's been fulfilling these things. And this is what he's doing as they describe this picture that, that he's lavishing love on her. That he's, one, making a big parade about of how he adores her. He's spared no expense to lavish these gifts on her. But probably more importantly than that is that she, he has set up protection for her. You see, they, they had to travel from a distant land to get where they were going to be married. And uh, traveling in those times could be very, very hazardous. And oftentimes, bandits would attack these caravans in the middle of the night. So what did he do? He picked his best 60 soldiers to make sure that no one came in and attacked them, that she would feel secure from going from her homeland to his. And we've been talking an awful lot about how it's our responsibility to learn our loved ones' love languages. And I want to encourage you guys to pick up a book. It's called The, the Five Love Languages, and it's by Gary Chapman. And uh, it goes through and talks about the five love languages. Imagine that. And uh, you can also go to the, his website. You can just uh, Google it. And there's also a little 30-second quiz that you can take to find out what your love language is. And maybe encourage your spouse or your loved one to take that. And uh, you can find out what theirs are. But I just wanted to run through really quickly uh, just the, the top five love languages and just see how, how we interact with one another. And, and maybe we can think, oh, that's mine, or oh, well, that is my spouse's, and that can uh, become more readily available and evident to us and encourage us to start speaking that language. The first one is uh, words of affirmation. Mark Twain wrote, once wrote that he could live two months on a good compliment. Verbal affirmation to people who speak this love language is essential. That, that words that come in and say, wow, you're beautiful or handsome or wow, you know what? Those were the best oatmeal cookies I've ever eaten or wow, you look really good in that, in that outfit. Different things like this are, are the lifeblood of people who speak this love language. And the problem with love languages are often that we, are to, we connect with people who speak a different love language than our own. So somebody uh, who has a different kind of love language and, and their significant other has a love language of verbal affirmation where they may not, they don't receive, feel love that way, so they don't give love that way. And when that happens, in each one of these things, there's a breakdown in the relationship. There's a breakdown in how we feel love for one another. So if your loved one has this, this, is this, if this is their language, again, it's incumbent upon us to, to realize that and to make, it, make a point of speaking into that love language and, and saying, wow, you know, 
and verbally say, wow, that was a great job, or you look good, or, or do these kind of different things. The next one is quality time. And I know that's been kind of a buzzword for the past 20 years, you know, quality time versus quantity of time and all that. And there's actually a benefit in both of those. But quality time is, by definition, more than just proximity. Not just being in the same area as somebody, but actually intentionally connecting with them. You see, quality time, uh, you can... You can be in the same proximity and not have any connection. The person will feel, won't feel loved or special. For example, you could be in the same room and you can be watching a uh, TV show or something like that. And uh, you're in the same proximity, but they're not, they're not feeling loved by you. You could even go out to dinner with somebody and not... And they won't feel any love from you unless you are intentionally being focused on them and asking them questions. Uh, and this is not just for spouses and boyfriends and girlfriends and all that stuff. This, this love language goes across, across the board. With, with my kids, uh, especially Boo Bear, being with him is extremely important, like him having your undivided attention. This is how he feels loved. And I've made it a discipline. I take the kids to school each morning. And I've decided a uh, long time ago that I would just, I wouldn't play the radio. I turn the radio off uh, when I drive them to school. And I try to engage them in conversation. Uh, and many times I catch myself and uh, my mind starts getting invaded by different things. It's like, okay, you know, what's going on here? Uh, you know, I need to talk to this person. Uh, we need to get this program meet going. You know, uh, you know, thinking about Shannon and what she's doing and all these kind of things. And I find myself in proximity with my kids, but I, I'm not showing them any love. And I, and a lot of times it's kind of funny. Uh, I have a default question. I ask a lot of questions of my kids, and I have a default question when I catch myself drifting off in, in another world. I always come back, and the first question, I don't know why this is, but it pops in my mind is, Boo Bear, what's your favorite color? I don't know. I always do that. I was like, I, I'm like a million miles away, and I'm like, oh, oh, Boo Bear, what's your favorite color? And it's funny. He's like, you've asked me that. You know, it's orange. Okay, I got it, it's got it, but it's just, it's me like trying to snap back and try to save the moment. And it takes so much discipline because we can be physically somewhere and be so far away. And especially if you're with somebody who this is important, this is how they feel loved, that we have to be disciplined and intentional in spending that quality time with them. Another one is receiving gifts. You know, everybody loves to receive gifts, right? But some people, they, there's an elevated significance to it. And it doesn't have to be like cars and jewelry and stuff like that. I mean, that's good stuff, right? But, but for somebody who, who speaks this language, how that shows them love, little tiny things like little notes and uh, little things that you make and all sorts, you know, you can buy them a little thing. It makes them feel special. It makes them uh, feel like you love them and, and that you 
that you are thinking about them, and it's very, very important. The next one uh, is my wife's love language, actually. It's acts of service. Man, and this is kind of a funny one, especially to me, but like simple chores and things like that show her that I love her. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's been a source of sometimes some conflict that, uh, like, I'll forget to uh, take out the trash or something, and I'm thinking it's just trash, and, and it's something much larger to her. And, like, she, she looks at it, and, it, 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 and she questions, like, my very commitment to her uh, because I didn't take out the trash. And, and it's taken me a long time to realize, you know what, it's not trash. It's that, you know what, I took enough time to make sure that things are correct in the house, that, that the dishes are washed correctly and things like that. Shannon works at Starbucks. And she gets up hours. She opens at Starbucks, and she gets up hours before uh, the kids and I do. And uh, so one thing that I decided that I was going to do this week was, and this is going to sound stupid to you, it sounds stupid to me, but I decided, you know what, is my act of love to show her I'm going to make the bed um, every single morning so when she comes home that she she can see that. And, and it, it's meant a lot to her. And again, Maybe if you don't speak this language, I don't speak this language, to us it's like, what's the big deal? You made the bed. But to her, it's that I, am, I love her, and I love her enough to make sure that things around the house are the way that she likes it. Now, I, I fail on this all the time, so I mean, I'm not saying I got this right, but uh, that's just that's her love language. The next one is my love language. This is how I feel loved, and that's physical touch. Um, that, that to me, uh, when somebody comes up and, and, in fact, it just happened this morning, uh, somebody said, wow, that was a challenging message. And uh, I caught it, and I'm like, oh, thanks. And then they put their hand on my shoulder, and they said, no, it was a really challenging message. I really, you know, it really moved me. And it was like, it just focused me, and it made me really feel like they were genuine and they loved me. Now, for some people, that could be repellent or like, get your mitts off me or something like that. You know, it's kind of weird. But for me, you know, when I walk around and it's how I show, and oftentimes with these love languages, you know, how we feel love, that's how we show love. And I often walk around with the staff and you guys and stuff, and I'll just put my hand on your shoulder. I may not even say anything. I'll just touch you. And what I'm communicating, because this is the way I, I experience love, is just through the human touch. And uh, so just learning, you know, how do we love one another? And this transcends way beyond just our, our marital relationships. This is the people around us. How do we make one another feel special? How do we inspire one another? How do we reinforce and show them that we care about them? And it's important that we learn these things and show these things. Remember last week, not know, but show that we care and love for one another. So she experiences this, and then this is what she says. She says, come out to see King Solomon, young women of Jerusalem. He wears the crown his mother gave him on his wedding day, his most joyous day. Now she's speaking back into him. 
I don't know, but it looks like that King Solomon, he, he, he likes to uh, have, be recognized for the things that he does, that these words of affirmation, and she's affirming, saying, look, look at how wonderful he is. And then we move from the wedding to the wedding night. And Solomon says this, he says, you are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. And then it's funny, he says beautiful beyond words, and then he goes on for the next 20 verses about how beautiful she is. So uh, he says, your eyes are like dove behind your veil. And remember, doves in the Middle Eastern culture is a symbol of purity and goodness. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Isn't that beautiful? I like this next one. Your teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. It's like, oh, you have nice teeth. And they're all, they're all there, too, in your mouth. That's, that's, a, that's a bonus. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of gazelles grazing among the lilies. I have no idea what that means. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, I will hurry to the mountains of myrrh and to the hills of frankincense, just saying, your love moves me. You are altogether beautiful, my darling, beautiful in every way. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Come down from Mount Amana, from the peaks of Sinir and Hermon, where the lions have their dens and the leopards live among hills. Come out from where you are unprotected and be protected in my presence. You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes with a single jewel on your necklace. He's saying, look, you have me. Everything about you, I am, I am focused on you. You don't have to restrain me. That, the mere glance from you has captured my heart. Your love delights me. My treasure, my bride, your love is better than wine. Your perfume more fragrant than spices. Your lips are as sweet as nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Just saying her kiss is sweeter than wine. Her kiss is sweeter than honey and milk underneath the tongue. Your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. You are my private garden. Now here he's moving in. He's going to start talking about uh, her virginity. Just talking about her purity and how, how happy he is that, that she kept herself pure so they can experience together this, this special thing that God has ordained and God has designed that they get to share this thing that no one else gets to share. And he's saying, look, 
you are my private garden. Thank goodness, you know, he's not saying, you know, you weren't a public garden. You were a private garden. He's so happy about this. My treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, a hidden fountain, your thighs shelter, a paradise of pomegranates with rare spices, henna with nard, nard and saffron, fragrant calamus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, and every other lovely spice. You are a garden fountain, a well of fresh water streaming down from Lebanon's mountains. Wow. I mean, it's just amazing, just the imagery. The imagery of his love and how he's lavishing her with, with these words and describing this, this beautiful wedding night that they get to share together and we get to experience and be encouraged. They, remember in 2 Timothy 3.16, God says all Scripture is inspired by Him. That it's useful for teaching and inspiring us to do what is right. And God is saying, look, it is right and it is good to show your spouse that you love them, that there should be nothing that holds you back to experience this thing that I have designed. The last part of this thing, it's kind of interesting. He says, you are a garden fountain, a well of fresh water streaming down from Lebanon's mountains. And there's a lot of imagery in ancient Hebrew poetry about how water quenches the soul, how water is the actual equivalent to life. And I think a lot of this comes from them being in a desert region, and they probably experienced a lot what it would be to exist without water for prolonged times. And I don't know if you've ever been without water for a long time. I think we've all experienced that. If you're out working and you get a little bit dehydrated, and just, or if you're out camping or something like that, just the, the, the joy of when you finally get to experience water, that, that taste of water when it first hits your lips, or when you're hot and you're sweaty and you're dirty and you take a shower, there are few pleasures in life as wonderful as that. And the imagery here is, you are those things to me. You quench my soul. You quench my spirit. And then you flash forward and think about a lot of marriages today and how quite the opposite is true many times. And it's sad because that's not the way that God designed it. So often, we are no longer the, the spring or the fountain quenching our spouse, but it's almost the equivalent that we're a super sucky sponge soaping up the last little moisture that we have in our life. And all sorts of damage happens when a relationship gets to this point. You see, we must have water to live. We must have love to live. And when love is stop, stops flowing in the home, 
people almost have no other choice than to look at other places. And that doesn't always mean that there's an affair. They don't always find that in the arms of another person. Sometimes they find it in the arms of, of extracurricular activities. Just uh, Sometimes it's reading, sometimes it's TV, sometimes it's sports. A lot of times it's things that are acceptable in our society. But they're an affair all the same. And if we've come to a point in our, in our relationships, in our marriage, that it's just dry, maybe it's time to get away from the kids, get away from the in-laws, get away from the family, get away from the stresses of life, and sit down with one another and remember the day when you couldn't wait to be with one another because you felt life, you felt quenched with when you were with the other person. It's so important, but it takes proactive steps and it takes open conversation. And then finally, the woman says, awake, north wind rise up south wind blow on my garden and spread its fragrance all around come into your garden my love taste its final its finest fruits and then we move into the consummation of the marriage the uh, solomon says i have entered my garden my treasure my bride i gather myrrh with my spices and eat honeycomb with my honey I drink wine with my milk. What he's communicating here is, I accept all of you. We are one. I don't only eat the honey, but I eat the honeycomb as well. I don't only, I'm not only intoxicated by wine, but I also take the sustenance of milk. That I take the whole package. And this love proclaims and moves the women of Jerusalem to shout out, Oh, lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. Love deeply. Love richly. Learn the love languages of the people around you. Love, learn the love language of your spouse and speak it daily. Decide that you are going to be like a fountain or a river and quench and give life to them. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this passage. As uh, uncomfortable as it may make us feel, I think it's very important that you communicate that love and, and sex and the way that you've ordained it, the way that you've designed it is the, one of the greatest gifts that you've given to us. God, I pr pray and I repent of what we as your creation have made of it. And God, I just pray that we can reestablish 
love and sex and marriage is once again being an act of worship to you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.